Amen. If I were to give you a list of names, would you be able to tell me whether or not they were in the Bible? Now, I could make the list easy. I could use well-known names like Moses, Noah, David, Esther, Mary, Paul, Timothy, and on and on. But what about some of these names? Ichabod, Eglon, Elishama, Meshillamoth, Amizabad, Obadiah, Asmaveth, Hezro, Zelek, and Jebediah. So which ones are in the Bible and which ones are not? The only name in that entire list that's actually not in the Bible is Jebediah. There's a Jedediah in Scripture. It's found in 2 Samuel 12. It's the name that God gives to Solomon. But there's no Jebediah in Scripture. That name I actually pulled out of Jay's baby book under potential names for our child. So Dr. Jay was almost a Dr. Jeb. And our kids have never let him live that down. That's just how things work around here. But now the point of that exercise was to recognize that Scripture is full of people with stories. You know, we tend to focus on the more common names, but the lesser-known names are not just there to take up space. Their stories can have an impact on us, too. And so today we're starting a series called What a Character. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through those lesser-known characters because they have a lesson for us, too. Our first character comes from 2 Samuel. Our text this morning described David's 30 mighty men. But none of the men listed have quite the resume that Benaiah has. He killed two champions of Moab. He killed an imposing Egyptian warrior. And he chased a lion down a pit and killed it. Now, how many times have you read that in Scripture? Maybe zero? On a snowy day, he chased a lion down a pit and killed it. First of all, isn't most of the Scripture done in the desert? Snow? Lions? I thought they lived in the jungle, not the desert. One thing we do know is that lions are fierce. They have big teeth. They're loud. Have you ever been to the zoo and heard a lion roar? They're very loud. They have sharp claws. They're ready to pounce. They are ready to destroy. They're powerful. And honestly, lions strike fear in us. They're the top attraction at the zoo and at the circus. We love watching them as long as there's something in between us. Yet Benaiah runs towards the lion. He chases it and then goes into a pit. A pit, there's no way out except up. So once you get in, you're stuck there with a lion. See, Benaiah teaches us about courageous faith. Not reactionary faith, not a passive faith, 
See, our natural instinct is to run from the lions in our life, not run towards them. Yet Benaiah runs towards it. Society tells us to avoid pain, avoid trials, avoid those difficult things at all cost. Run from hard work, run from sacrifice, avoid anything that might cause you to have to endure suffering. Society tells us that normal people don't chase lions in life. They run from them. What is your prayer life like? What do you pray for? Because most of us spend our time praying and asking God to save us from the lion's den. You remember Daniel? He prayed knowing that it would lead to the lion's den. Our prayers for an easier way change my circumstances, Lord. We need to change our prayers to get us through. Help me to endure what's before me, Lord. Because that's where we see victories that are God-worthy. You know, we sing songs saying, nothing is impossible with our God. But how do we know? We prefer to run from the impossible. We try to avoid the impossible. But how do we really know nothing is impossible with God unless we put ourselves in impossible situations? That's the difference between courageous faith and passive faith. Courageous faith chases down the lions. Courageous faith chases after things that unless God intervenes, it's going to fail. Courageous faith looks to live boldly every day based on our relationship with Jesus. A passive faith just reaches out to God when a crisis happens. Only when our circumstances overwhelm us do we reach out. That's passive faith. See, a passive faith sees bad days as bad days. It's just something to endure, just something to get through. Courageous faith sees bad days as some of our God-ordained best days. Benaiah chased a lion on a snowy day. Seems that that would have been wiser to wait till a sunny day. No ice to worry about. You can see more clearly you're not looking through snowflakes. You don't have to worry about ice. But no, his miracle demanded Right then, go. Some of us are waiting for that perfect moment. Some of us are waiting for that perfect day to take on our lion. And that's our excuse to not act. When I'm older, I'll do it. Oh, if I was younger, I could do it. When I have more money, I'll do it. When I'm healthier, when I'm stronger, when I have more time. It doesn't matter if your day is snowy or whether you think the timing is right or not. When God says, go, you go. When God says, move it, you move. You know, we talk a lot about holiness in the church of God. 
But we often look to holiness as a list of don'ts. Oh, don't do that. Don't do this. Oh, you need to avoid that. Don't do that. But holiness isn't just about not doing. In fact, it's much more about action and doing than not doing. You see, it's impossible, or possible, it's actually possible to do nothing bad, but still do nothing right. As followers of Christ, as pursuers of holiness, we're called to chase lions. Because it's the courage and the strength of lion chasers that comes from our walk with Jesus. And so we chase lions, even when it's a snowy day, even if it means we go into a pit, no matter how impossible the odds seem. Because God loves impossible. It's his way of setting the stage for miracles. It's his way of setting the stage for his glory to be revealed. And he loves revealing himself to us. And so he's always getting us in a position where he wants us to be so we can see his glory. But too often for us, the right time feels like the wrong time. And the right place feels like the wrong place. In a pit with a lion on a snowy day, Sounds like the absolutely wrong place, the absolutely wrong time, but not for God. Last week, we talked about how God doesn't leave us at the tomb. Guess what? He's not going to leave us in the pit either. God meets us in the pit. In our darkest and deepest moments, God is there. We won't find him in the posh, perfect, painless life. Read through Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Every one of those faithful saints met God as they faced impossible situations. Some facing pits, some thinking they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But what each of them discovered was that their problem was God's presence and power in their problem. That's where they met God. And that's what Benaiah's story is about for us. It's about God's power to overcome. Pits and problems, they produce power in our lives. Our pits, our problems, our lions, when we chase them, They produce proof of God's presence in our lives. Those that face the most adversity are usually the most available to be used by God. When Jay and I first started going to church many, many years ago, and we were doing God sightings, we called it something a little different way back then, and I was a very new believer. I'm not sure he was a, new, a believer at that point. And one of the things that we would leave church and we would always comment, he would say, man, those people have a lot of problems. <laughs> I, 
I feel really good. We don't have that many problems. Just a few months after that, I was diagnosed with the brain cancer. And wow, did that wake us up. You see, sometimes one of our mistakes is thinking that problems somehow disqualify us from being used by God. But it's quite the opposite. See, our ability to help others heal is limited to the wounds that we ourselves have received. Trials have a way of helping us rediscover our purpose in life. But not if we run away from them. Not if we ignore them and pretend that they don't exist. We have to chase them. When there's a difficult problem, when you face a difficult situation that nobody wants to acknowledge, we say, there's an elephant in the room. Well, for some of us, there's a lion in our room. But we're too afraid to address it. We're too afraid to think about it. Never mind, chase it. Fear grips us. And then we go back to our excuses. It's the wrong time. It's the wrong place. It's snowing, you know. And, and I, just, I just, you know, the circumstances just aren't right right now. But unless we chase that lion down, we're limiting God's power in our lives. Honestly, some of us have got to get our heads out of the sand. As my friend would say, some of us need to get our heads out of our butts and look at the problem, the lion that's facing us and deal with it, chase it down, deal with it, take it back to God. Say, Lord, I can't deal with this, but I know that you can help me. You see, our problems, our lions are not circumstantial. They're perceptual. They seem big because our view of God is small. We reduce God to the size of our problem. Instead of telling the problem the size of our God. Benaiah knew the size of his God. And so he chased that lion into the pit on a snowy day. And he comes out on the winning side of one of the most improbable victories in all of Scripture. We need to remember God wants us to go where he wants us to go more than we want God to get us where we want to go. I'll say that again. God wants us to go where he wants us to go more than we want to go where God wants us to go. God will get you there. He wants it more than you. He's really good at getting us where he wants us to go. He's always putting us in the right place at the right time. Even if it's a pit with a lion. Now, I'm sure you've never literally been in a pit with a lion. But I bet you found yourself in situations that felt like it. But you need to understand that with God in control of our circumstances... With God, our identity in Christ, we have a sense of destiny as part of our birthright in Christ. What does that mean? 
Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word prepared points to an ancient custom of a king that would send their servants ahead to secure safe passage for himself. But you see, God turned the tables around. Jesus, the King of kings, went ahead of us, his servants, to prepare the path ahead. So we had safe passage. So when that lion stands before you, when that lion is roaring and baring its teeth and its claws, we know that our steps have been ordered by God. Our sense of destiny is born out of knowing that God is indeed in control. And he's already prepared for every possible contingency. The victory is yours. Your destiny is rooted in the sovereignty of God. There's freedom in that. We are freed up to pray for the unthinkable and pray and attempt the impossible. But Satan wants to stop you. Satan's two best tactics are discouragement and fear. You know, psychologists and scientists say that we are born with only two fears. Fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. Any other fear you have, you learned. You see, our mind is like a computer hard drive with a computer virus. Our mind has infected files. It has irrational fears. It has misconceptions that keep us from operating as God designed us to. You see, some of our faith journey is learning what we don't know. But the rest of our faith journey is unlearning what we do know. Jesus' ministry throughout the New Testament was teaching a new way of thinking. He was often quoted with, You heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. You heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you, he would say, and he would continue to help them unlearn their previously held beliefs. Walking by faith is really just a renewing of our brain. It's a rewiring of the network. (laughs) Think of it as an upgrade. There was a study done several years ago that compared the brain activity of believers and unbelievers as they performed different tasks. The area they were looking at was called the anterior cingulate cortex. Now, I didn't really need to throw that in there, but I wanted to throw that in there to... So you didn't think I was just making this story up, because it's real. It's really a story, and it's really research that they did. But this area in the brain becomes active in an anxiety-producing event. And what they discovered was that for the believers, they had significantly less activity in that area, which translated into significantly less anxiety, significantly less stress, in the reactions and responses of those that believed in God. Wow. You mean science is actually backing up what the Word says? Incredible. 
See, the outcome of the study showed that repeated positive reinforcement of thoughts by faith, thoughts of trust and confidence in God, actually calms the brain. Hope in a higher supernatural God in the midst of adverse ad- adversity actually reassures believers of hope in a future. The scientists said in their statement, believing in God helps block anxiety and minimize stress. Wow. So what are we waiting for? Chase after the lion. We have to face our fears if we're going to chase those lions. The Christian life is not about eliminating fear. It's about overcoming it and having the courage to chase the lions. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the display of strength in the face of fear, in the face of pain, in the face of danger and uncertainty. Courage is doing what is right, regardless of the circumstances or the consequences. Courage is usually putting yourself into a defenseless position And that's exactly when God comes through to be your defender. In Daniel chapter 3, we read the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They showed courage when they refused to bow down to the golden statue of Nebuchadnezzar. They put themselves in a defenseless position, knowing that they would be cast into the fiery furnace for refusing to bow down. Now, if you aren't familiar with this story, what happens is the king gets really, really angry at their refusal to bow down. And so he orders the flames and the heat to be turned up seven times hotter. And it was so hot that the heat killed the guards that were going to be throwing them in. But after they're thrown in, the king stands shocked. There are four men in the furnace. Weren't there only three? So he calls out to Shadrach and his friends. He says, come out of there. Come out of there. And they do. With nary a burn mark on them. Listen to what the king says. Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other god who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. There is no other God who can rescue like this. What are we afraid of? Their one act of courage changed a king, which changed a kingdom. Maybe it's time for us to face our lions 
chase them down so they have no control over us. What about Satan's other tactic? Discouragement. You see, discouragement settles in when our perspective is skewed. And our perspective gets skewed when our focus comes off of God. And when we take our focus off of God, that means we've usually zoomed in on the problem itself. What we need to do is zoom back out. And the way we do that is worship. Worship helps us reframe our problems. So that 500-pound lion looks more like a kitty cat. Worship helps us shift our focus from what's wrong with us in our circumstances to what's right with God. The most difficult yet most important decision we can make in our circumstances is to worship God. Worship is forgetting about what's wrong with us, and it's remembering what is right with God. It's like hitting a refresh key on your computer. It renews your mind. It recalibrates your spirit and restores your joy. Worship allows us to zoom out and refocus on the big picture that God has for us. We refocus on the fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. It's refocusing on the fact that God unconditionally loves us when we least expect it and when we least deserve it. It's refocusing on the fact that we have eternity with God to look forward to in a place where there's no lions trying to eat us. No pain, no sorrow. One of the most important decisions that you make every day is your attitude. Joy is mind over matter. See, our attitudes need to be based upon God's work. God's perspective, not our circumstances. There was a study done several years ago on Olympic medalists. And it turned out they were trying to figure out the bronze medalists were quantifiably happier than the silver medalists, and they wanted to know why. And what they discovered was that the silver medalists focused on how close they were to the gold, but missed it. But the bronze medalists focus on how close they were to not winning a medal at all. Their perspective. It's not based on circumstances. Worship helps us adjust our attitude from discouragement to encouragement. Because it reframes our problem. It refocuses our lives back to God. It helps us get through the bad days by reminding us how good God is. And remembering the goodness of God is what strengthens us to chase the lions. Lion chasers don't need an explanation for every disappointment. Because they know that God has a plan. See, lion chasers want to experience every unexpected twist and turn in their Christian journey. Because they know that God is in control. 
and that he's connecting the dots of our lives in ways that we just will never understand till we get to heaven. Ultimately, our courage as lion chasers comes from our confidence in God's character, in his ability to work out his plan. His plan will always involve using your past experiences. Your past experiences prepare you for future opportunities. But if we keep running from them, we'll never be ready for the God-sized miracles and the God-sized destiny that he has for us. When we cower in fear and we don't step out in faith, God is robbed of the glory that he deserves. And that's what motivates a lion chaser. They desire to be used by God to make a difference. Lion chasers want to make an impact. They don't just sit back and wait to react to situations. They chase lions. They grab opportunity by the mane. They create change. They create impact as God's glory shines in them and through them. There isn't much written about Benaiah in Scripture. We're left to imagine what emotions he was feeling at that moment of the lion encounter. But I wonder if we had the opportunity to sit at Starbucks over coffee and hear his story. Benaiah, share with me the greatest moment of your life. He would probably give us a blow-by-blow detail of that lion encounter. A description of killing the great Egyptian warrior and the two Moab giants. But then if you asked him to describe the scariest moments in his life, he'd probably look at you with a puzzled expression. Because the scariest moments were also the greatest moments. You see, it's easy for us to read this one verse about Benaiah And underestimate the fear. Underestimate the emotional trauma that he experienced as a result of that encounter. No matter how much courage was on display in his actions, you don't come face to face with a 500-pound lion and not experience terror. But God took that scariest moment in his life and turned it into the greatest moment of his life. What about your life? Reflect over your life. Some of your scariest moments have probably become some of your greatest moments. There's something about fear and facing it head on that makes us feel alive. It gets our heart pumping. That's the draw behind crazy roller coasters and amusement parks. We pay money to feel that fear. Because we have a desire for controlled danger. But what we need to realize is that when we live in Christ, we are living with controlled danger. But we choose not to. We run from the lion instead of chasing it down. You can only imagine the stories that Benaiah told people about his scariest moments and his greatest moments with God. 
And the question that Benaiah's story brings to our attention is, are we living lives of such radical faith that it's worth telling stories about? Maybe it's time to stop running away and start chasing. Maybe it's time to try a new way. Maybe it's time to take some risk. Every day is filled with countless God-ordained opportunities. There's not a day that goes by that you are not presented with an opportunity to love someone. To serve someone. To give. To learn. But part of our problem is that we believe in the old idiom that says, opportunity knocks. Most often it doesn't knock. Opportunity roars. See, we want our opportunities neatly packaged and presented to us with a gift tag that says, from God. We like our lions stuffed. We like our lions caged. They're safer that way. We want our opportunities at the right time and at the right place. But the greatest opportunities are always going to come at the most inopportune time. Our greatest opportunities usually come as the greatest, most impossible problems. They look like 500-pound lions that want to eat us for lunch. What are your lions this morning? What lions is God asking you to chase down? Is it a hurt from your past that you're trying to ignore? Is it a painful experience that is holding you hostage? Is it something that God is asking you to do, but fear and doubt is paralyzing you? Maybe your lion is wrestling with God himself. Maybe you're wrestling with whether to take him at his word or not. Chase after that lion. Let God reveal himself to you as you chase that lion down. And then come out of that pit victorious. It's worth it. Nobody wants to look back over their life and discover the things they didn't do but wish they had. The most common regrets that people have at the end of their life are the things that they didn't do, not the things they did. The number one risk uh, one, one number one regret across every list that you ever look at is, I wish I had taken more risk. Translation, I wish I had chased some lions. My grandfather's last words to me was in May of 1994. And I had just shared with him I was pregnant with our second child. But he, he was going to heaven. And he looked me in the eye. And he said, live life. Don't forget to have fun. Love and laugh. Enjoy it. Don't regret 
Chase your lions. We serve a limitless God with unlimited resources. We serve a God who provides over and over and over. But we need to choose. Do we want comfortable or do we want to overcome fear? Lion chasers like Benaiah choose overcoming fear. They choose to chase the lions. Benaiah defied the odds. He didn't focus on his disadvantages. He didn't make excuses. He didn't run away, and he didn't try to avoid situations just because they looked too hard, because they looked impossible. Lion chasers know that God is bigger and more powerful than any lion. Lion chasers thrive in the toughest circumstances because they know that impossible odds set the stage for God's miracles. One of the most exhilarating things in the world is doing something with God that no one thinks that you can do. That's what God has prepared us to do. Chase that lion. As you're sitting here this morning, or anyone listening at home, you know what God is speaking into you. God is telling you what your lion is. He's already revealed it to you. And so the question is, are you going to chase it? Or are you going to run away from it? The choice is yours. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for stories like Benaiah's that teach us about courage, that teach us about a limitless God. That gives us courage. That gives us strength to endure and chase lions. As we leave this place this morning, Father, encourage us. Help us to see the God-given opportunities that you place before us, even when they're not neatly packaged. And may we grab them by the mane. May we see your glory shine bright in Jesus holy and precious name amen